Watermark Golf Media. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice. In a world where talk is cheap, someone should be paying you to listen to this podcast. It's the Lip Outs Podcast with your host, golf course architect, author, and former looper for the llama, Nathan Crace. And now, from deep within the recesses of the basement beneath the studio at Watermark Golf Media, the man of the hour, the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, make you say, woo, like Jerry Clower. Ladies and gentlemen, Nathan Crace. Thank you. This is the Lip Outs Podcast. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. And I mean that. Thanks for taking the time to listen on your drive to work or working out at the gym or while you're walking the dog. And thanks for sharing this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for telling your coworkers and the people you play golf with. And thanks for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, it only takes one tap on your phone screen and it's free. That also guarantees that new episodes come to your phone automatically. We can't do this without listeners like you who share the love and tell others about the podcast. Our numbers are growing, and it's all thanks to you. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, FM Player, and the new Lip Outs podcast channel on YouTube. And we have some new outlets coming soon. Speaking of that, whichever method you use to listen, do us a favor and give the podcast a five-star rating and take 10 seconds to write a quick review. The more ratings and reviews we have, the higher the podcast can go in the charts, and that keeps this train rolling. And a big thank you to everyone who has taken the time to visit our sponsor, HavePaintGunWillTravel.com, and picking up some of the unique golf gear available there for the golfer in your life or for yourself. Your continued support helps us bring on great guests like we've had so far, and this episode is no different. My guest today has been the superintendent at Old Florida Golf Club in Naples, Florida, since 1992. He was there from the beginning, working hand-in-hand with Reese Jones, overseeing construction and grow-in. More recently, in addition to his duties at Old Florida, he is the current president of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. That also means he spends a lot of time on the road. In fact, we've been working with his schedule in mind to record this. We're lucky enough to catch him at home for a little while between trips, so please welcome to the podcast, Darren J. Davis. Hey, Darren. Hey, Nathan. How are you? Good to be here today. Great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're on the road a lot, uh, <laughs> If and that may be an understatement, but when we were talking last week, you said you'd be home for a couple of days in between trips to Canada and a flight out on Saturday to uh, England, I think you said? It is, yes. I'm heading over Saturday night uh, to the BTME show, which is the bigger show. Uh, fly all night Saturday uh, to arrive Sunday morning, uh, and I'll be there for several days. Uh, yes, and then I just got back from Canada last night. Uh, one of our oldest chapters, one of our founding chapters of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, uh, the Ontario chapter, over 90 years as an affiliated chapter. So Red Evans, our CEO, 
and I went up and, and spoke and gave them an update on some key initiatives and strategies that we have going on. And it was great to interact with so many of our friends uh, uh, north of the border. Good time. I have some friends who are Canadian, and, and we love to uh, rib each other about metric versus uh, <laughs> the uh, imperial. <Yeah. laughs> the travel aspect of being president of the uh, GCSAA, more than you thought, less than you thought about what you thought? You know, it's it's about what I thought. Um, you know, each president uh, that, that prior to me becoming president had always told me that uh, – Whatever you do, take some time and and just enjoy it a little bit because it's going to go so fast. There's so much going on that before you know it, it's done. And that much is true. And I knew what I was getting into. You know, as a board of director, you 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 watch as you progress through the chair. So I've, I've been on the the board for seven years. And I will tell you though, at our first board meeting, uh, I, I looked at the board, my fellow board of directors, and said, you know, gentlemen. Um, I certainly have a job that's conducive to this travel. I, I've got a phenomenal job and I have a great staff that have really uh, stepped up and well, they've made me look good for many, many years, but certainly this year. And uh, even with all that said, you, you have to learn to make some adjustments. You have to learn how to be a traveler. You have to learn uh, what it takes to uh, do all the things you need to do to maintain the paying job, which is obviously a key um, key issue. And um has not been a problem, and it's it's been a very enjoyable and productive year. Well, I know that um, you mentioned Old Florida Golf Club. It, it is a great property there in Naples, and just every picture I've ever seen of it, it just looks phenomenal. You guys are hitting it out of the park, and you were there. You started there right, almost right after college, right, after a couple of years at the Loxahatchee Club? I did, yeah. Yes, sir. I went to uh, Penn State University. I uh, did my six-month internship at Augusta National um, Golf Club. Uh, Marsh Benson hired me. And after my six-month internship, didn't have a job. And I, I can still remember the day like it was yesterday when, when Marsh called me. It was my fourth quarter at school and asked me if I had a job. And, and I said, no, sir, I, I've applied and looking around and weighing my options. And he said, well, Augusta National is a good place to do a job search. Uh, and, and the good old Southern draw that he has, he's a good friend. He's a wonderful man. And I said, well, I said, that sounds great, Marsh. I'd love to come back and join the team. And I said, you know, I, I don't care what you pay me. Hey, pay me what you paid me last year. I, I think I made five bucks an hour or something back then. And I said, that's, uh, it's not about the money. I said, but I, you know, I did graduate second in my class. Uh, can you, can you give me a title? <laughs> he, he said, well, how does spray tech sound? And that was before we started calling ourselves IPM technicians. So I said, Hey, spray tech sounds great. Um, so then it kind of went on. I'll, I'll tell you the brief story. He says, well, sounds great. When can you start? Went over that. And I said, well, Marsh, I hate to do this, but I one more thing. I don't have a place to live. He said, well, don't worry about it. You'll live with Brad, live with Brad in the par three house. So I live with Brad Owen, the, the current superintendent, and for my five to six months that I worked there after graduation and uh, live with him on property, which is just a wonderful experience. It's a great learning experience being there. And was blessed to find a job at uh, the Loxahatchee Club, as you mentioned, in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, worked for a phenomenal guy, Phil Shoemaker. He's out in the desert now. And it, that was back in the day, Nathan. You remember when it, you didn't weren't a su- assistant superintendent more than a couple years. Two years right. was kind of the norm back then. Um, I was there a year and three months. And at, at 24 years old, um, interviewed for the job here at Old Florida. And um, thank my lucky stars, they hired me. And I thought I'd be there five years, and my gosh, look back, it's been 26 now, and uh, hard to believe, but I've enjoyed every minute, and I uh, hope they'll keep me around for another 20 years or so. 
Well, and you're right. You talk about the industry back in the day, in the late 80s, early 90s, and it seemed like a golf course superintendent or a golf professional may be at a club for two to three or four or five years, and then they were off to greener pastures, and that's not the case by any stretch these days. No, it's not, and, and you're right. Our statistics at GSSA show that. Uh, the tenure is certainly uh, different than it was back then. Um, and so, yes, you back then you, it wasn't uncommon to graduate turf school and come out as a superintendent. Uh, that that was possible. Uh, and back then, it was it was two years, and you move on. And things have changed, and that is one reason that the GSSA this year has put a lot of effort into both the students and assistants. We realize that that's our future. And when the when the decline came in the market, uh, certainly the students saw that and recognized that and, and stopped attending turf school. They, they found other things to do. So we recognize that. And as an association, we're working with our, our professors that have turf schools across the country collaboratively and, and working on ideas such as videos that we'll put out on social media, such as printed material that we can have each university uh, adopt and put their logo on and use it to go out and recruit students themselves. Uh, and, and also working with our assistants. We realized that, as I said, I was less than two years. That two years was kind of the norm. The norm now is six years or a little more. Um, so we have to keep their assistants happy, uh, keep them motivated, uh, keep them excited about the industry. Because as you know, I, and I know, it, it's a great industry. And so we got to make sure that that we recognize and, and that and let people know. And we tell our assistants now, I tell mine all the time, is look, you're going to have the pick of the litter when it comes to jobs. When when old guys like me and, and folks a little older than me start to retire, uh, that there's a shortage right now. So you can pick your jobs like we used to be able to do back in the early 90s. So we're excited about the future. I think we've moved the needle this year, and GCSA is going to continue to work on that initiative and, and, and move the needle even farther in the coming years. You talk about the market having changed. I mean, you think about the number of golf courses that don't exist now that were there 10, 15 years ago, or the ones that that are still there. Maybe they're struggling and they're having budget constraints and labor constraints. And, you know, you're right. A lot of people are looking at the golf industry now saying, is this something I want to get into? So it's good to see the GCSAA working proactively, especially with the uh, university turf programs to keep that ball rolling. Yes, absolutely. And 25 years seems like a long time, but it's amazing how quickly (laughs) 25 years can go by. In fact, there's a great throwback photo on your Instagram account of a very youthful Darren Davis and Reese Jones on site. Uh, Looks like Darren Construction to grow in there at the club. And the people listening, you need to go check it out. Which reminds me, before I forget, let me give everyone uh, your Twitter and Instagram handles. They're both at Darren J. Davis GCS. And that's helpful because they're both the same. You have the same handle on both accounts. And of course, we'll put that on the podcast website as well. I mentioned that because you post a lot of great photos, not just of Old Florida Golf Club, but also what you're doing, what's going on in the industry, your travels with the GCSAA. And I think everyday golfers find that information not only interesting, but also educational. Well, thanks. I'm a big believer in social media. I'm a big believer in communication. Uh, actually, I, before I was uh, elected to the GCSA board, I had gone back to school and have a degree in communication from Florida Gulf Coast University, uh, the old Dunk City. Uh, right. So I'm a big believer of communicating. Um, and social media is the way that society communicates today. I mean, I still use print media. Uh, I, st- I still do blogs. Uh, I-, I do letters. I do note cards. I write a lot of note cards, uh, certainly this year at the travel. But, you know, social media is a way to interact with, with thousands of people. 
instantaneously. And it, it's something I've given a number of presentations about and the, both the proper way to use it is, is important as well. Um, and, and how to use it. So it, you mentioned that my, my, both the names were the same and that was, that was intentional. Um, you know, a lot of people don't do that, but all my accounts, my Tumblr, my Twitter, my Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that you have interacted so that when you want to find me, you know how to find me. And also I put the QR code, um, to my website and my website has all those things linked to it. Um, so I'm, yes, I'm a big proponent of it. I've got tons of stories I could tell about it. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll tell you one. Um, sure. I, I love walking the golf course in the morning. So I, I walk most mornings that I'm in, in, in town this year. It's been not as many, but I walk every morning I can in season. And I go around and it's real easy to, to find things to take pictures of, to post and, and take a picture. And then I dictate into the notes section of my iPhone something I want to post. And you can do it all as I'm walking, as I'm interacting with my crew, as I'm raking a bunker with them or, or picking a weed or something. So I do all that. And one morning I was walking the back nine and I'd posted something on number 12. I was probably got a nice picture of the roller, a uh, greens mower and posted it and, uh, mentioned that the, the cooler nights were making the green speed, uh, very easy to maintain. And so I get around the, the 18th green and, uh, walk by the, the barn grill there, the clubhouse and uh, screened in porch. And one of our members, Mr. Fisher, uh, kind of yelled out at me, Hey, Darren, uh, did you enjoy your walk? Oh, yes, sir. So I, I walk on in the porch to interact with members and, I give a lot of presentation on that as well and proper communication with members. But I, I walk in the, into the, into the grill room there in the porch and I say, yes, sir, Mr. Fisher, it was a nice walk. And he goes, yeah, the greens look great. Uh, they're, so they're rolling over 12 today, huh? I said, yes, sir. And he, the table looked at him and at the table was one of my founding members, coach Ditka, his wife, uh, Diana Ditka, who's also a member. And they just kind of stared at him like, how do you know that? And Mr. Fisher says, hey, it was on his Twitter account. Don't you all follow them? And uh, so, you know, and people don't always give you a like or give you a, a heads up or any kind of uh, recognition or notice, but they're there. I can't tell you how many times I've been somewhere when someone will mention that they've seen that. Uh, for example, you brought up a picture that I wouldn't necessarily know that you had seen. Uh, so it. It is a, a phenomenal way to communicate used correctly. Well, I'd like to thank our crack uh, research staff here at Watermark Golf Media, but actually I was just scrolling through your Instagram and I just kept going deeper and deeper. And there, in fact, what the picture of the uh, screech owl in the box sitting on the nest and the, and the <laughs> talons are on the outside of the box. The owl looks like he's posing, waiting for the picture because he's staring right at the camera. That's a great, a great picture. Oh, thank you. I, when I grew up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's a, that's another story. But when I grew up, I didn't know what I wanted. And, and I loved communication. I love, I was on the journalism staff in high school. I, I thought I might want to be a wildlife photographer, thought I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't know, but you know, I, I've, I've been blessed to find a job that not only do I get to do what I love in the environment every single day, uh, I can combine all my passions growing up and all those things I wanted to do into one job. So it, I've been truly blessed to stumble on this job. It does feel more and more like superintendents are, are getting involved in social media. And I think that's a great way to not only, as you mentioned, communicate with members and golfers, but also to share information with other superintendents at other golf courses. And have you seen that trend where people are using social media to help share and, and help each other maybe across the country? Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I use all the platforms because in my, my opinion, I'm trying to interact with a variety of audiences, not just golf course superintendents. I'm trying to interact with members. I'm trying to interact with golfers in general. 
certainly with my role with GCSA, I'm trying to act, interact with people uh, worldwide that are just interested in the game of the golf, which I could go on and on about the use of hashtags, et cetera. But uh, I know that in the golf industry, we found that Twitter is certainly one of the key avenues and key wet methods people in the industry communicate. Uh, I've got a number of friends that are just dynamite uh, Twitter users. I'm not as interactive as many. Uh, there's a number of folks that are certainly more interactive. Uh, I've enjoyed Michael Woods' post on on Twitter uh, where he right. uh, I think he rated 5,000 Twitter accounts and, and and how they were reviewed and interacted. And I still made the top 100, uh, but a number of folks are certainly better than I am at, at Twitter. And um, But yeah, it, it, it certainly is a way to communicate. I've always stressed, though, that that it's a way to communicate. It's a way to learn. It's not the only way to learn. I am a big believer, and there's nothing better than face-to-face learning, communication, interaction, uh, being at, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and say at the golf industry show in San Diego coming up in a few weeks, sure. or, or any of the shows, in your local your chapter meetings. It's important. That, that face-to-face communication can't be uh, eliminated with social media. Uh, I have so many friends in this industry that would not have happened had it not been for face-to-face meetings at, at, at industry events. We talk a lot about the GCSAA so far in this conversation. I know that there are a lot of people who subscribe and listen to this podcast who work outside the turf industry, and, and maybe they're just golfers, or maybe they see that somebody who's a guest and they're interested in listening. But for those who maybe don't understand exactly what the GCSAA is and what it does, I thought it might be good for you to take a few minutes and let everyone know what it's all about, the role of the organization, uh, how the members play in the turf industry, and, and the game of golf overall. Absolutely. Thank you. I'd be glad to. Uh, GCSA is the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. A little bit of a misnomer. Uh, the, the last A there, we could probably drop and it wouldn't be missed because we're not just a domestic association. We have eighteen over 18,000 members. Our goal is to have 20,000 members by the year 2020. We hit our goal. We're back up to 18,000 members. We're still we're growing the association in a time when, when many associations in, in the industry has seen some changes. Uh, I'm proud to announce that we are growing. Uh, the 18,000 members that we have are in, in 79 countries around the world, and our services are used in over 150 countries with our webinars and other ways that we disseminate information. So we're an international association. I mentioned Ontario earlier. Uh, they were one of our founding chapters. Uh, w- their most recent chapter is Mexico. Uh, Mexico is our 99th affiliated chapter. Wow. And when I say, if, yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, it and, is. And, and they're growing strongly down there. And um, when I when I say affiliated chapter, you know, we have uh, local chapters, state chapters, and we're a, that's our business model. We function through our chapters. Uh, we do have nine field staff. Uh, that are directly employed by GCSAA. GCSA, by the way, is headquartered in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, where we have over 90 staff members who serve our members and uh, that function for our mission statement. And I can tell you that every one of those 90 members, thanks to our phenomenal CEO, Red Evans, every one of those individuals can recite the mission statement. And I, I talk about mission statements and everyone says, yeah, they're great, whatever, you know, it's a goal. It's not for GCSA. Uh, our entire board of directors can also recite the mission statement. At each board meeting, I will call one of them out and say, okay, so what do you think there, uh, TA? Why don't you tell me the mission statement? And they all know it. Our mission statement is to serve our members, advance the profession, and enhance the enjoyment, growth, and vitality of the game. 
And it's by no, uh, it's not by accident that the starts with serve our members. That is what GCSA is there for, to serve our members. So I can tell you, I would urge that if any member has any need, all they have to do is reach out. The GCSA Board of Directors has a, a link on the website to all of us. Uh, staff contacts are on the website. The number 1-800-472-7878. Uh, pick up the phone and call. Um, we have a number of programs and services that people might not even be aware of that uh, are there to help our members. And we're only as strong as our chapters and we're only as strong as our members. So that is our goal. Uh, that is our mission. Uh, our vision is to be the global leaders in golf course management. And I think by having Mexico join us as our 99th affiliated chapter, we're also accomplishing our vision. Um, and that's one reason we're going to England this week to interact with our folks uh, across the pond and, and attend their conference and show and, uh, we have a number of meetings set up with the RNA, um, with the Ireland Association, of course, with our, our friends from Biga, Jim Croxton, their CEO, um, interacting with them and, and seeing what we can do to work better together globally. And I like to think that long gone is the, oh, the idea of the greenskeeper who's out there, all he does is mow grass. And, you know, why is he getting in my way? Why is he air fine the greens? You know, a yeah. uh, lot of golfers, I do think that through education and, and social media, more people realize that there's a lot of work that goes into what it takes to be a good golf course superintendent and what it takes to be a GCSAA member and manage a golf course and take care of this and keep everyone happy without going astray of all the regulations and the laws and the things that are, have been put on the golf industry in the last 20 years. I can tell you, you know, that, that reminds me of a story. It's uh, this summer. I looked down at my phone. I'd received a text message. And as you know, that's how we communicate today. A few of us pick up the phone and call anymore. But I received the text message and I looked down and it says, thank you. And I looked at this, the sender and it was Diana Ditka. It's coach's wife. She's one of my members. It just said, thank you. And I, I just kind of stared at it because I haven't seen her for months. They, they live in Chicago in the summer. And I thought, what did she mean? And so it took me about a minute and I wrote back. I said, have you been watching the Golf Channel? And she wrote, yes. And we don't thank you enough. Thank you. And I tell you, I just, I just smile from ear to ear. And that meant the world to me because advocacy is one of our key initiatives at GCSAA. And advocacy is not just advocating for government, government relations. And I can talk about We Are Golf and, and National Golf Day as well. But we advocate to, uh, make, uh, to have our members be seen as all the things you said. And our, one of our most successful campaigns has been the Thank a Golf Course Superintendent campaign. And I'll go back to the very first one. Uh, Jack Nicholas is in that one. And he, he, he tees it off. Um, we've also got uh, Ricky Fowler and a number of great golfers um, that are on there. Uh, but we approached Jack at a tournament. And he had a lot going on. And, and his agent introduced us. And we were talking to him. And he pulled away from his, his people. He pulled away from a meeting he was going to and says, I absolutely want to do this. And he was the first one to do it. And that campaign has been extremely uh, successful for us. And we've continued that campaign with another series of ads that, that kind of show the, both the environmental aspect of a golf course superintendent, the education they have, and, and really showcasing superintendents for what they truly are. And that, that's uh, professional. They're, they're, they're environmentalists, they're professional, they're business managers. We wear many hats. We're not just a grass grower. Now, we're not just, you know, nothing wrong with the term greenkeeper. None of the people still have it around the world. Uh, we certainly tend to the greens, but 
uh, we're much more than that. So um, I hope we've been successful in that campaign. I know we have, and I hope other people uh, view those those videos. I agree, and and I think you're right that in other parts of the world the green, the term greenskeeper uh, is still used, and I I don't mean that in a negative or derogatory way, but I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of the golfers who just don't realize how much work and how much education and how much knowledge goes into what you have to have to maintain a golf course these days. Yeah. I, I tell you that I've, I've talked to somebody about this recently. When I look back at my term on the board, I was asked what I was, what I was proud of or what, what, what was, what surprised me. And there's not one thing that sticks out, but one thing that, that I've enjoyed is seeing how far the industry, the profession, the profession of a golf course superintendent has come in my 30 years, uh, we're, we're not just viewed as the person mowing the grass, as you're saying, or we're viewed much differently. And that's great to see. And those Think of Golf Course Superintendent campaigns, it, it, that made it evident uh, to see people respond to that. And also the brand, uh, the brand of GCSAA. Uh, many people would have no clue what those initials meant 15, 20 years if you weren't in the industry. You're right. I can say today, I can tell you, there's not a, a trip I take that, that somebody doesn't look at my shirt. We travel. If we're not traveling in a coat and tie, we travel in, in a GCSA logo uh, attire. It's part of our SOPs. Uh, every trip I'm on, somebody looks at that logo and says, oh, you're a golf course superintendent. Oh, you're a, a GCSAA member. I could be standing in line at a Publix at a grocery store or anywhere. Uh, so the, the brand recognition has certainly come a long way and, and the respect that, that my peers and I get, um, is certainly rewarding. You know, another thing I've noticed in, uh, recent years and say the last, oh, maybe 10 or so years, the number of superintendents who play golf seems to be going up. And I don't know if it's just because you have so many more younger members coming into the into the fold, but I can remember when I used to be an assistant golf pro, I worked at a number of golf courses back in the day, and this was in the ni- early 1990s, where the superintendents didn't even play golf, and I always thought, how can you know how a green's rolling? How can you really get a feel for it if you don't play golf? And I know some of the guys, you know, they just had no interest in playing. In fact, I had one golf, well, one superintendent, and uh, he was older, and he'd been there for a while. He probably wasn't too many years from, from retiring, and he actually made the comment one time, the greens would be in a lot better shape if I didn't have to have golfers out here tearing everything up. And, <laughs> and to some extent, He's right, but if you didn't have right. golfers out there, then there would be no need for a golf course. Right, and we and we we all say it tongue in cheek, even today. It'd be a great job if it weren't for the golfers. Uh, <laughs> but that's certainly certainly tongue in cheek. That that's being silly. That's just a joke. Um, and Nathan, I don't I don't know if if maybe in the past because I I've been in it over thirty years, and uh, if it was more of a inherited job, uh, more of a farmer job. Um, you know, certainly the education that's available today has, has changed and, and the, the individual filling that role has certainly elevated the profession. And, uh, I enjoy playing. I love the game of golf, Nathan. I, I, I certainly, I've played a number of phenomenal courses around the world. Uh, and it, it's, I, I don't want to look in my closet. I've got way too many golf shirts and way too many <laughs> logo sweaters that I don't get a chance to wear, but I, I love the game, and I, I'm down to a four handicap on the driving range. <laughs> Unfortunately, I still have to go play the golf course, and out there I'm still an 18-9 index. Uh, so I'm a bogey golfer, but, boy, I love it. I, I've enjoyed uh, so many memorable rounds uh, that I've played with friends and just interacting. And I can't wait for our tournament coming up in San Diego. Um, our, our scramble event is actually – 
sold out. We have over 140 people just in the scramble event, That's great. which is something we added. We added that recently just to have a little more of a fun event. And so you didn't have to play necessarily three right. straight days. And boy, that thing's took off. It, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, so we're excited. We've got to play some great golf courses out there. And I know I play the four ball on, on Torrey Pines. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And I've got a great scramble group to have some fun. Most people who are listening to this podcast also play golf, which reminds me, let me tell everyone about our sponsor, HavePaintGunWillTravel.com. You already know about the great ball caps with the logo. They just restocked on two of the most popular colors available in the vintage twill hat and the engraved magnetic ball markers with the logo. But have you seen the new apparel line, the new swag that's available? In addition to great t-shirts and hoodies with the Have Pink Gun Will Travel logo, they also have coffee mugs, stainless steel travel mugs, glass tumblers, and even shot glasses and a flask. Quantities are limited, so don't delay. Get yours today. They're only available online and only at HavePaintGunWillTravel.com. I will have to look at that real soon. That's great. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's really taken off. We try to keep things lighthearted and, and fun on this podcast, and we want to entertain and, and educate. But there's a topic that you've written about recently that's come to the forefront in the turf industry in recent years, and it's work-life balance. Uh, in fact, the most yeah. recent issue of Golf Course Industry Magazine was devoted to just that, the entire issue about work-life balance. And, and I think it's been a long time coming, but why do you think the issue of finding that balance has become so important in recent years? Well, I think it, it's it's a function of society. It's not just the golf industry, so it's certainly society at large. Um, you look at all the, the, the tragedies that we have with young people these days and uh, the stress that we're all incurring. Um, life can be a challenge, and I'm, I'm proud that uh, well, GCSA also is doing a, a track at the conference and show where we're going to strictly devoted to to mental health and balance. So we all see the need. Um, it's important. I, I know that, you know, to me, your mental health is also directly related to your physical health. And, and it was one of my president's messages recently. Um, and I started the president's message off with a story about my father. Um, it was, it was tough for me to write. I still get a little choked up thinking about it, but as a fifth grader, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with a red light flashing my windows and, you know, disoriented and not knowing what's going on. I stumbled to the door, uh, just in time to see my father being pushed on a gurney into an ambulance. Um, certainly scared this fifth grader, you know, uh, to death and, and, uh, you know, realized then, uh, that life is too short. You'd never know what can happen. And, my father had, had suffered a diabetic seizure. He was certainly overweight. He didn't exercise. Uh, he was devoted back like the society was then. Many pope, folks, you devoted to bringing the money in. Your, your mother generally was the one that, that helped you with school and life. And your father was the one that was just pushing the, you know, the envelope, making money for the family. Uh, times have changed with dual incomes uh, that are available today, but more prevalent today. But it, it scared my dad enough that uh, he realized that he needed to make some, some changes. And I remember him, um, he, he couldn't drive for six months. He ended up losing close to 100 pounds in, in the year following. Uh, he was a very high-level state employee. He worked for the state of Florida and had a high-level job. And he would leave every day uh, at lunch um, and, and go to the YMCA, which was close by, and, and, and get a run-in take a shower. And instead of an hour, he may have taken an hour, 15, hour, 20. He was fortunate to do so. Um, it's something that shaped my life. And I know that, that physical 
well-being is important. I'm not a specimen of physical health, but I try to keep myself in shape and hence the walking the golf course in the morning. Uh, but it's something that I've encouraged my staff to do. And I think that's important for all golf course superintendents to know that, that they're only as good as the people around them. And if they don't have the people around them, they're not going to succeed. So my two assistants, uh, many, many, many years ago, I encouraged them to do the same thing. You know, look, lunch starts at, if it's 11, our, our flood schedule fluctuates. But so if lunch starts at 11, Hey, no problem. Matt's one of my assistants. I said, Matt, you know, do you want to leave at 1045? Everything, if everything's good, everything's flowing, you know, come in, change your shows, change your shoes, put your shoes on, change your clothes, run down to the gym, get a workout in, you know, takes you an hour, come back. No problem. We've got another guy's going to cover it. I'm going to cover it. Um, so staying healthy is extremely important to your mental health. And I know that my guys will work harder if, if they're in good spirits and good health. So, Yes, I'm a big, big, big proponent of it, and, and enough that I've written about it. And so, yes. And you mentioned the, for example, the dual income families, and there just seems like there are so many constraints on time these days, and, and days just seem to get shorter and shorter. And if you're married and, and your spouse is working, and then if you have kids, I mean, my wife and I have three kids, and it just seems like in this day and age, there there are multiple seasons for sports, and you're always taking the kids somewhere for one yeah. thing. And you know, when I was a kid, you had football in the fall you had basketball in the winter and then you had golf in the spring or baseball or whatever you played and but you know right. there are, some of these sports are all year round i have a friend who's a golf course superintendent his son is a very good baseball player and he is um oh let's see he's probably 15 and he plays baseball all year round and he goes to and, and sees uh, special trainers and pitching coaches and all and it's just a non-stop thing and so it's hard to balance not only that, because you want your, your your kids to be involved in things that they want to be involved in, but it's tough to balance that with the work and then the family and then everything else that's going on, especially in this day and age when everything is on demand and instantly available. Yeah. And, you know, you you think about the times when you, you maybe you click on something on your phone and it takes it three or four seconds to come up. And that, <laughs> in that three or four seconds, you're like, come on, what is taking so long? And, <laughs> and it's just, we've become so acclimated to everything happening instantly. I tell people all the time, you know, just put the phone down and go outside and, and take a walk. And or, or even better, slip the phone in your pocket and take the dog for a walk while you listen to the Lip Outs podcast. That, that's a much better idea. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But it is important to unplug and get out and, and just be outside, which I think for a lot of people, the game of golf provides that, even though you see more and more people with the Bluetooth speakers on their carts. And I, I don't I don't necessarily mind that. You know, if that gets some younger people into the game, then then that's fine as long as they're not bothering anybody else with it. But for most people, it's four hours where you can go out there and kind of disconnect from all of that and enjoy nature. Because for some people, it's the only nature they get in a week. Nathan, you bring up some great points. And uh, I, I do not have any children, but I have a lot of most of my friends do. And it's about a lifestyle change and changes, little changes that you can make. Um you know, you mentioned the podcast. You're spot on. I, I can tell you that I've listened to one of your podcasts on a stationary bike in the gym at my in my community. I live four miles from work, and several several days a week, if I'm in town, I will go, I will go home if things are well, and I'll, I'll get on the stationary bike. And I don't care how I look. I put my cheaters on. My my eyes are going. I put my <laughs> cheaters on. I get on the stationary bike. I, I start going through emails. I, I respond. I respond to some text messages. I've even posted social media riding the stationary bike, and I've listened to a number of podcasts, including the one with you with Ron Witten, which I really enjoyed because I know Ron right. well, and I uh, enjoyed that on a, on a stationary bike. 
So little things you can do, as you mentioned, uh, just put the phone in the pocket and go. And it, it's why I walk the golf course in the morning. I, I didn't mention it earlier, but I do push-ups on every on the collar, not on the green. John Jennings, my good friend at Shinnecock, called me out. We both are on Strava. It's an exercise app. And I mentioned doing my nine-hole walk and push-ups, and he said, I hope I fixed it. But I, I do my push-ups <laughs> on the collars. And, um, you know, and, and I, I don't have time every day to go to the gym. I, I landed yesterday from Canada. I was at work at 6 a.m. before the sun came up. I will not have time to exercise tonight. So I today I walked all 18 holes, and I did 15 push-ups on every single green. It's just a goal I have. So little things, you know, park where you park, walking into a store, walking the stairs, not taking an elevator. A number of our staff at headquarters don't ride the elevator. They walk the three-story stairs. Um, John Jennings, I, I mentioned him a second ago. What a great example. The man hosted the, the U.S. Open this year. Um, he had not missed a day of running in 1,400 days. I, I may have the days wrong, but he wow. doesn't miss a day of running. He didn't miss a day of running at the U.S. Open. I mean, the guy is up at 4 in the morning, working till till 2 a.m., What long, long hours. And he'll admit it. They weren't long runs that, that, that week. He may have run a mile, but he did something. He kept walking. A uh, number of friends I've encouraged to, to park, your, park your golf cart. Um, take a walk. I understand things happen, but we all have radios. We all have text, text, you know, phones that we can text somebody. I've been pulled off the course a number of times when I was out walking and, and responded, pick up a staff member, pick me up. So it's just little things, uh, how you eat. Um, you know, my goal was to, this year was to eat less things out of a box, not order pizzas from the to go and, and try to eat a little more health, eat healthier. Uh, so little small changes can make a difference. Yeah. I wonder how many people actually go for an annual checkup and and maybe don't know what their numbers and statistics and their actual condition might be. Because for me, I had a little bit of a wake-up call three or four years ago. I I was helping coach one of my son's uh, basketball teams, and my wife was taking pictures, and I was looking through the the pictures on the camera. I was like, who is that guy? And she said, that's you. And I went, oh my gosh. And so I said, okay, I've, I've got to lose some weight. I went, you know, I had a, a regular physical coming up anyway. And I went and talked to the doctor. He said, yeah, you, you could stand to, to lose some weight. And we talked about, you know, how big portions are these days at restaurants and, and yes. the need to just get out and walk. And I just started walking. And when I first started, I, I could walk maybe a half a mile and I was winded. And, and that was a little emasculating because, you know, having been fairly athletic most of my life and then now I walk a half a mile and I'm tired. But it was just a, a the condition I'd let myself slip into. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen if you, right. if you don't stay on top of it. But I continued to walk and walk and walk and I stopped drinking soft drinks. And yep. I just kind of cut back on, on the portions. And in a little over a year, I lost 25 pounds. And that's really all I was doing. I was just walking. I wasn't drinking sugary soft drinks. And, and I didn't completely, I didn't just drink water. I wasn't drinking five gallons of water a day. I would drink sweet tea instead of sweet tea, or, or uh, unsweet tea that's instead sweet, of yeah. sweet. Yes. Or um, And even then, I you know, would drink like half and half or an oral palmer to kind of wean myself off of that. It really is. Just, it's those little simple things like you mentioned, just going for a walk in the morning if you have 30 minutes, just go do something, walk the dog, do something and right. take care of yourself. Because if you don't, nobody else is going to do it. That's right. And I, I'll admit it. I have a sweet tooth that came from my mother. Uh, but you know, there were times I would, when I was younger, you know, I, I would love a, a pint of Hodgen Doss every night, but as you, as you age, you can't do that. So I hit, right. hit an age where it's like, okay, <laughs> enough. Um, you know, and I, 
little small changes. You mentioned unsweet tea versus sweet tea. I, I as well stop soft drinks. I even stop diet soft drinks. Uh, I, I, I do kombuchas. I do suja. I do water, uh, LaCroix, anything. Uh, but I, my sweets, I switch to Halo Top. It's a, it's a high protein, low sugar, fairly low sugar uh, dessert. So if I'm going to eat dessert, I'll, I'll have the Halo Top. And I, I've been fortunate this year. Our, our CEO, Red Evans, is, is a health nut, uh, does triathlons and, and just a health nut. And so it, it didn't matter. We, we would a lot of times have 12-hour days. We would travel. But I knew for a fact that every morning he would be in the hotel gym no later than 5 a.m. And that gave me encouragement. So there were not many days that I didn't meet him in the hotel gym. Uh, 5 a.m., we could have landed at 11, but we, we were in the gym. And that encouragement, that that stimulation, finding a workout partner, I think that helps as well. And it's not un, not uncommon for a lot of presidents to gain a few pounds of the year they're president. But uh, uh, his encouragement helped me uh, stay in shape, Tom. And I do believe that the physical health does help contribute to the mental health. It's strange how exercise, even just going for a walk, helps to reduce that mental fatigue that you have at the end of the day. I'll, I would come home and just be absolutely worn out, and I would make myself go walk. And I felt so much better after I walked two or three yeah. miles. And, or, you know, hook the dog up, take the dog with you and go for a walk because the dog needs exercise too. But it, it really was weird because after, you know, at first you dread it. And then yeah. once you start kind of getting into it, and, and I was no, I wasn't ready to go run a marathon or anything, but I would right. just go walking. I would, I would get to where I was feeling better. I'd walk about four miles in an hour, and which is no breakneck speed. But when you got done, you just felt so much better and you weren't actually tired. You felt like you had more energy than when you started. Absolutely. You trigger those endorphins. And, and I know I, I was thinking, as I said it earlier, about letting my assistants go for an hour, hour and 20 minutes at lunchtime. And I can just see some of my peers rolling their eyes like, yeah, OK, whatever, <laughs> Darren. Sure. You know, but, you know, it's what you said. They come back more energized where they may have been at three o'clock, four o'clock, just dreading it, wanting to go home. Uh, my guys are phenomenal. They're at five o'clock. I'm kicking them out. I mean, it's just we have to make sure to keep our staff happy. And it really reminds me of something that Matt Schaefer and I have talked about uh, a number of my friends, Matt, uh, Marsh Benson, times have changed and we have to treat our assistants like we want to be treated like people. The, the days of working your assistants 70 hours a week for what you're paying them and just expecting them to do it because the job's coming, the reward is coming. Those days are gone because times have changed. They're not, like me, a year and three months and becoming a superintendent. It's not happening. So we've got to keep our staff happy. I've always believed you surround yourself with good people, you practice good delegation skills, and you keep your people happy. And so even my friends up north that I know you go through a period where you struggle with the heat and temperature and, and cool season grasses, you know, finding that ability to allow your staff to, to take time to, to, to exercise, to be, keep good physical health, will only help them with their mental health and their excitement about the job. So yeah, I, I am passionate about it, as you can tell. I, I, I truly believe in it and hope that uh, it, it uh, pays, or, pays off. 
Speaking of keeping employees happy, I have a friend who's a golf course superintendent in another part of the country. He has a uh, kind of a tight labor market where he is because the economy where he is 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 booming like it is in a lot of places around the country. He lets his staff pretty much make their own schedule day to day, unless there's a tournament, of course. But these guys are responsible enough to make sure everything's covered. You know, he may have a guy that needs a Tuesday and a Wednesday off, and but he'll come in and work Saturday morning and Sunday and do setup. He said, I have to do that because my labor market is so tight. These guys could drive 10 minutes down the road and get a job at an Amazon fulfillment center making what they're making here. And they're working inside in the air conditioning or the heat, depending on what time of the year it is all, all year round. You know, so I have to be able to, I have to be flexible to be able to provide them a place that they want to come to work. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, Nathan. And I, I tell you, we're, we're, um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but we're holding a session on the trade show floor that Rhett's going to host about labor. And I know that Matt Schaefer is on that panel. And Matt is a good friend. And Matt and I have spoken a number of times this year. And Matt's told me some stories. When he was at Marion, he was on the golf course one morning and he noticed that there were some ladies walking around the perimeter of his property uh, on the streets, getting their morning exercise. Husbands are off to work. Kids are off to school, whatever. And he approached them and he says, you know, ladies, would, would you like to get paid to do that walk? And they kind of stared at him like, who is this guy? <laughs> who is, who is it? And, and so he said, well, let me explain. You know, I would love to hire you just to walk the golf course in the morning in front of play and fill divots or do something similar. And it worked for him. Um, and I, I've certainly come a long way, Nathan. I was that guy that, that also, I worked 70 hours a week. I worked seven days a week. I expected my staff to be that way. My assistants from 25 years ago, if they're listening, are going, yep, that's Darren. Yep, that's him. <laughs> uh, and it took time for me to change, but I've realized that if I want to succeed, I have to keep my people happy. And I was on the board of directors. So this is in the last seven years. We were having a, a meeting in Arkansas. Keith Ames was our president. And I went out to see Justin Sims at the Elotion Club. I had right. met jo- Justin. And uh, yeah, I, I took a, a last flight out one night. We finished the board meeting at noon. So I had about four or five hours to spare and I wanted to use it to my advantage. So I went and saw Justin. Um, and I guess it was actually the morning. But so I, anyway, I'm in the pro shop and it's, it's one of his assistant walks in and he said, yeah, I just dropped the kids off, got my hair cut, uh, did this, ran a few errands, hit the bank. Um, and I just looked at Justin. I'm like, what is he talking about? And he says, Darren, I've learned that, uh, you know, just every other weekend off doesn't cut it. And he had gone to where if you worked the weekend, his assistant could take the Tuesday off and the morning off, not the whole day, but the morning. So I guess I took a midday flight home, but, um, and I just, it, it hit me and I came on to my staff and I said, you know what? We're gonna make some changes. If you work the weekend, you've worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, your, your other assistant's been off. You're going to take a, a half day on Tuesday, and in the summer it becomes a full day because we're a little little more laid back in the summer. We're working harder as far as the, the work we're doing, the hours and cultural practices. But um, it has made a big difference, um, and, I, and I'm I'm blessed, as I said earlier, to have two assistants that have really worked hard this year and all previous years. And um, I think if you keep your people happy, Nathan, that they they make you look good and, and they want to stay. Um, I mean, true story, about five months ago, the last thing I want to do is have one of those two gentlemen lead me this year. And there were a number of job changes happening. And, and I approached them both and I said, look, I, I feel guilty. Are, are you hearing about these jobs? And they're like, yeah, we, we, we've heard. And they're just very kind of timid. I'm like, 
you know you can leave. I want you to leave. I encourage you to leave. You're, you're both phenomenal. Uh, and they said, yeah, we're happy. Um, so it, it told me that I must be doing something right uh, for them to want to stick around. And uh, I, I do hope that they do move on soon because they're both they're very both phenomenal and they'll do a great job but that is a good point because some you know people need to realize benefits are more than just dental insurance you know it's, right. it's that flexibility that you can provide somebody and i, I had another superintendent we were looking at a, a project um hasn't happened yet but hopefully it will in the next uh, year or so he said you know i realized years ago I have X number of dollars in my budget. And rather than having 15 guys who make less money, I get so much more out of 10 guys making more money because they take more pride in what they're doing. And I know they're going to be here. I know they're going to be on time. And I don't have to hound them all the time because I'm, I'm able to get better talent for a little bit more money. And I don't need quite as many people. That's awesome. And, and you know, I, I don't have Maslow's hierarchy of needs in front of me, but if you look at that triangle of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when you look at the most uh, need that's most important, it's not money. It, it's satisfaction of the job. So um, that, that's a great way of looking at it. You know, you were kind enough last year. I was writing a story for Golf Course Industry Magazine uh, yes. called, called Hunting for Unicorns. <laughs> and um, it was about the uh, disappearing pro super, and which used to be a pretty big thing 30, yes. 40 years ago, where you would have one person that was the golf course superintendent and the golf professional. And usually at smaller clubs, but and more prevalent, I think, in the southeast. But they would mow the greens in the morning, come in, open up the pro shop give lessons, and then, you know, they, they would be over the entire operation, sort of like a, I guess, a director of golf is these days, but they were actually superintendents, and they were actually golf professionals, many of them members of either or both the PGA and the GCSAA. But when we talk about work-life balance, and you think about people who are still doing that to this day, mm-hmm. just, just a handful, but a few of them, right. and I know when I asked you about it, your first reaction was, I just don't see how that's possible. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to how specialized the golf course superintendent has become. Right. And, and I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, and I grew up in a time when golf was not anything like it was today. I mean, the place I work today, I mean, uh, my friends that, that played golf where I played back then, you, you couldn't envision it. So I, I, I knew exactly where you were going. I understood. I got it. Um, and there may still be a, a little niche for that in a small market around the country, but times have changed was my opinion. Um, so I, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it today in most parts of the country. You are right. It is, it is so uh, it's just it's hard to imagine being able to do that. Although that said, Sam Dunning, who was one of the, the pro supers, and he's been at the same club for 42 years, he's yeah. going to be a guest on an upcoming episode of this podcast to talk about just that. But um, you're oh, right. Good. I, good, I just good. don't I don't see how people can do it these days. When I bet Sam, I bet Sam surrounds herself with good people and practice good delegation skills with my guests. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> Well, Darren, I know you have a heart out and you probably need to start packing for England if you've ever had a chance to unpack from Canada. Um, And we could talk about this for hours. I mean, this is such an important topic, not just for the turf industry, but for everyone out there who may be listening. Remember, go follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram, both at Darren J. Davis, GCS. And while you're there, follow me on Twitter at Lipouts. Follow the podcast and like it on Facebook, both at Lipouts Podcast. And as always, we'll post links to everything we've talked about today on the podcast website at lipoutspodcast.com. Once again, Darren, thanks for taking the time from your hectic schedule to be with us. This was great. I really do appreciate it. Nathan, it was my pleasure. It, it truly, time flies me having fun, and it seems like we just started. So I appreciate the time, and I enjoyed speaking with you. 
Well, and we'll have to catch up the next time we're both in the same town for, for a little bit. So for Darren J. Davis and everyone at Watermark Golf Media, I'm your host, Nathan Crace, saying we'll see you back here next time when we tee it up on the Lip Outs Podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Watermark Golf Media. All rights reserved.